Got to tell you kind of how this all came about. Um, this is something that uh, it's not the first time I've ever preached it. It's not, you know, first time maybe some of you have even heard it. Uh, I think I've preached it here. We've taught it in some life group, you know, small group classes. Um, but it's something that God gave me when I was a youth pastor at a large church in Orlando back in the mid-90s. How many of y'all were alive in the mid-90s? How many of you were not alive in the mid-90s? Okay, good. We've got a few people. So, uh, But seriously, I'm, I'm working with teenagers in the mid-90s, and I'm just like, God, why do they keep making such stupid choices? Why do they keep making bad decisions? And God, will you just show me how to help them make good decisions? And it was kind of cool. God gave me this, and it's been one of the most valuable ministry tools that I've been able to use not only in churches and in groups, but really even in one-on-one -on -one situations. And my hope is uh, <coughs> that you'll do what other people have done with this. We now got on a nice little fancy card, thanks to JJ making this and hooking it up. But uh, uh, if you think it's going to be useful and you'll be able to help others make decisions with this, um, man, take a few of these and be prepared to be able to use this. Now, I was going to go right into the book of Acts this week. And, you know, I started Sunday, uh, Monday morning, um, like I always do. I start studying for Monday night small group, and I'm studying. Then I'm looking at the passage for, uh, you know, for the book of Acts where we're supposed to be. And it's just not flowing. It's just not coming. Something's there where God's just like, no, that's not what I want you to do. But I'm like, all right, I'm going to be persistent. And Tuesday, I'm going to start studying again. So I dive back into the book of Acts. I know everything there is to know about this chapter, but more important than knowing what there is to know, the Holy Spirit's just saying, nope, that's not it. And so here's what kind of happened. Monday night, uh, we were trying to make sense of the, the, how the, the uh, Jew Israelites were going to be camping around the tabernacle in numbers. And so I asked Val, Val had a whiteboard. We brought the whiteboard out. And guess what was on that whiteboard? This, this little tic-tac-toe diagram from, I don't know, a year ago maybe, it had been baked on. We tried, she had to actually use high-grade commercial uh, acetone to get it all off of there. But it was there. Tuesday, as I'm even studying that, I'm, oh, and, and Cynthia told me on Monday, she's like, oh, so you got a great Mother's Day message for us? And I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> I'm like, on Monday, I'm just like, because we were paddleboarding, I'm like, in my head, yeah, yeah, God will give me something, you know. I'm going to have what God wants. But I didn't have a Mother's Day message because I'm not a theme preacher. I'm not maybe going to preach this on this holiday, this, this. I got to preach what God tells me to preach. And whatever God tells me to preach, man, that's what I got to feed you with. That's the meal. So I'm not like on sermons.com and sermon of the day, you know, meme. And that's what you guys are getting. I'm giving you what I believe God wants me to give you. And that's what I'm going to have to answer for. And that's what we need. And I need it before you. So Monday, yeah, Mother's Day. And I'm like, well, God, am I supposed to do a Mother's Day? Is that why you didn't give me anything all morning? And uh, Monday night, we see this thing. And I didn't think anything of it other than cleaning it off. Tuesday had a kid from the 90s um, who has one of these. But it was actually the back of my business card. And it was at a uh, Denny's restaurant. Y'all remember Denny's? And we sat down and we drew it down and had it all out. And he's still got it in his wallet. The kid's now like in his mid-30s and he's got kids. And, you know, and he's like, oh, I just can't tell you how many times this has helped me. So I'm like, second day in a row. So then third day, I'm like kind of sitting here and I'm like, all right, God, I've been busy. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, one of my former pastors, uh, when, I was, when I was on staff, calls and says, hey, you remember that little tic-tac-toe thing you did on decisions and all of that? 
He said, man, I got a group of ladies I want to teach. Can you tell me that again? Do you even remember it? And I'm like, remember it? It's like God's been burning in my brain for two days. And so I got to share it with him. I went on my back porch in the hammock, I'm telling him. And I just started preaching, man. I preached to my former pastor. I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. And after I got off the phone, God's like, that's what you're supposed to be teaching on Sunday. So I called JJ. What's the possibility that we'll be able to get these cards made? And good old JJ, dude, he can get anything done anytime. That guy, he's one of our pastors. He's, he's, he's JJ, the past, pastor JJ. <laughs> he's one of our pastors here, man. And he, uh, dude, the guy, he's behind, does so much behind the scenes you wouldn't even understand, man. He's awesome. And I just want to praise him for that. But he got these done, showed them to me Friday or Saturday. Boom, there it is. And so I know without a shadow of a doubt, this is what we are supposed to be looking at today. And, um, and so how does it tie into Mother's Day? Even if it didn't, we'd be preaching. But this does tie into Mother's Day. How many of you are mothers here? I'm not going to make you stand up. Oldest mom, youngest mom. Hey, Cynthia, do you get up every morning and pray, oh, God, please help my kids avoid making good decisions? Is that what it is? And uh, Natalie, oh, please help Abel live in the flesh so that he just kind of messes everything up today and makes no good decisions. Fernanda, do you bombs not beg kids to make good? Have you ever like going, oh, why in the heck did they do that? And then you remember you're married to Terry, right? It's like the apple doesn't fall from the tree. That's what my wife does that over and over and over again. Anything the kids do is messed up. She knows where those genes came from. All right. <laughs> but isn't that what happens? Uh, tell me, is moms, would this not be the truth? Do you not just simply want your kids to make good decisions? Amy, does it not thrill you? I mean, I've, I get phone calls from some of you moms, not necessarily from you, but, but does it not thrill you when your kid actually does make a good decision? It's such an anomaly, such a, a weird thing that they make a good decision. You're like, oh my goodness, guess what they just, and you got calling people that they made a good decision, right? You're bragging on them, trying to encourage it. <coughs> As a Mother's Day gig, man, I'm just telling you, man, every mom wants to see their kids make good decisions. And you're going to publicize it. You're going to encourage it. And, man, you know what? Even if your mom did not make good decisions, I'll guarantee you she wanted you to make good decisions. I will guarantee you that. So in this situation that we're looking at today, um, these letters stand for something. I'm going to tell you real quick what they stand for, grill you on it, as I always do. But then I'm going to teach you how to use this verse and not only applying it to your own life in looking at how to make decisions, but also really helping someone else to make good decisions. Because inevitably this week you're going to come across somebody and says, man, I have totally. Oh, no. What do I, what do, I do? Or I have totally messed everything up. There's hope, you know. Or somebody's like, oh, it's always good for me. And you're like, all right, you know. So in this, I want you to look at the top left corner and you see a D there, right? And the D, what would you imagine the D stands for? Decisions. decisions. Everybody say decisions. decisions. All right, let's try it again. One, two, three. The D stands for? Decisions. decisions. Right. Is that, have you guys already had to make a decision today? Many. You just had to decide whether you were going to actually talk in church. Because some of you are like maybe visiting. You're like, dude, I never talk in church. Pastor never asked me questions. Here you talk. All right. It's all good, man. You had to make decisions whether to come or not. You make decisions all the time. And so the D stands for decisions. All right. So the W below it, it's a, it stands for 
wrong. Oh, you guys need a couple? Yeah, All right. The it. W stands for wrong decisions. And the R stands for right decisions. So everybody's got, what's the D stand for? Decisions. <laughs> and everybody has uh, two kinds of decisions they can make. They can make either a wrong, wrong decision or a right. right decision. All right. So then we think that's it. Right or wrong. Right or wrong. Right or wrong. That's the only decision I got to make. But now we're going to dig into decisions a little bit to help us figure out how to make good decisions. The S on the top stands for short-term consequences. How many of you know there's consequences for your decision? Right? There's consequences for every decision. Oh, by the way, Billy and Star are here. Raise your hand, Billy and Star. Man, they're original Driftwoodies, but now they live over there. And you guys go to Sun Sunlight, Sunlight man. And they're, they're plugged in. They're go And they're married. They got married a month ago, right? <laughs> All right. So Star, you had to make the decision to marry Billy. Okay? And I'm not going to use this example of all of it, but there's consequences being married with Billy, isn't there? All right? Well, and consequences are a bad thing. It can be a good thing also, right? How many of y'all know there's consequences to marriage? <laughs> yeah, everybody does. All right. But we always just look at it like, oh, I make a decision. Here's a consequence. But I want you to understand there's short-term consequences. That's what the S stands for. And the L over here in the top right corner stands for long-term consequences, all right? So help me out again. The D stands for? Decisions. The W is? Wrong. wrong decisions. The R is? Right. And with every right and wrong decision you make, there is going to be an S. What's that? Short a short-term consequence. And there's going to be a long-term long consequence. Okay, and then now let's just go ahead and let's blow this out in case you fall asleep and you miss the whole scriptural part of it. But every time we, most every time we make the wrong decision, the W, watch, look at the W over there. All right, when you make the wrong decision, it's usually because the short-term consequence is good. Okay, that's what the G stands for, but the long-term consequence is going to be bad. bad. Man, check it out. Man, how many of you have ever made a bad decision because it was good for you now and you thought you would deal with the consequences later? Right? You know what I'm saying? That happens all the time. And I'm going to show this to you scripturally. This is a good idea for me right now. How many of you ever lost your temper because it was just a good thing to do right now because I just need to blow this up and go post the work around this person and I'll deal with it later? Right? It was good. Didn't it not feel good to lose your temper? You ever lost your temper, bro? Did it not feel good? Wasn't it not a relief, dude? You didn't have to go to the hospital. But then, how many of y'all ever had that backfire on you? And later, you suffer the consequences. And you can apply this to almost every decision you make in life. But now, when you make the right decisions, so few of us make consistent right decisions because the short-term consequence is what? Bad. It's bad. Instead of going in debt and... And, and, and driving a car that I can't afford to drive, I'm going to keep riding my bicycle. Is that good or bad? It's bad, right? Because you're getting poured on. You're, dude, it's a death trap out there on US-1. No, I'm, just, I'm just saying any decision you make so often, when we make the wrong decision, we make it because we're looking for good short-term consequences. To do the right thing so often is, is hard because initially it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. Have you ever tried to stand up for Christ among a bunch of people that aren't? Is that good or bad? It's a right decision, but 
man, what's the initial response? They're like, oh, man, that's all. Not always. A lot of times to stand up and do the right thing, it's bad. But the end, I promise you, the end of making the right decision is what? Good. Good. Okay, hey, man, here we go. Let's get you guys these right here. Oh, you got them right? All right, cool, man. All right, good. All right, so here we go, real super quick, and then we're going to go through the scripture and look at it. The D stands for? Decision. With every decision, there is a? And a? And with every wrong and right decision, there is a? And a? When we make the wrong decision, the short-term consequence is usually? But it ends up being? But when we make the the right decision, the short-term consequence is usually? But it ends up being, and I, I know there's exceptions to the rule, but I'm telling you over and over and over, your mom says, did you break that? My favorite thing. Did you, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? What's the most favorable thing for you at that point in time? To lie, right? To lie. And that's a wrong decision. And guess what? How many of y'all now, after you're grown up, know that mom knows everything? <laughs> Later on in life, you find out, dude, you mean, you didn't really like, you knew I broke that all along. You knew I was the one that took vampire blood and drew all over your mattress cover. And, you know, <coughs> moms know already. So check this out. If they know you lied to them, if they know you've lied to them, man, you know what's what's it might be good at the beginning because you didn't get a spank and you didn't get grounded. You didn't get get yelled at. Instead, your brother or sister got in trouble for it. Any, were you ever on that end of it? Yeah, getting blamed for something your brother said. But your parents really knew, didn't they? And then so now your mom had a lack of trust for you for a long time. That's what the bad thing is. You know, the worst thing about sin is this. One of the first thing, the worst thing about sin is that it hurts our father, man. It, It hurts the one who loves us more than anything because he knows the consequences are coming on us. But here's the consequence. We judge others by ourselves and we find what we look for. So let me ask you a question. If you're, if you're a thief and you're always stealing stuff, then what are you thinking everybody else is doing to you? Stealing stuff. And guess what? You may catch them doing that because you're always looking. Ooh, look at that. They stole an extra pickle off the little deli plate. You know, I'm just saying, you find what you're looking for. If you're a liar, if you're a liar, what do you think everybody else is doing? Lying to you. And so you find it. You catch some little inconsistency in somebody's story And all of a sudden, everybody's a liar. When in reality, it's not really a lie. They're telling you it's just that their stories are inconsistent because they're ADD like me, all right? You know, and and they're just going. So so what I'm saying is that one of the worst things about living for just good short-term consequences is that you're sinning and you're going to so often think everybody's just like you and you're going to find what you look for. And man, what a horrible lifestyle this! I would rather live believing everybody is awesome and good and, and let God deal with the rest of it instead of always being suspicious. But let me go one step further with this because God's bringing this up. If you are an unforgiving person, if you don't forgive people, then you judge everybody by yourself. So guess what? You don't really think that anybody can forgive you. And what a horrible way to live because you don't even, aren't even able to find forgiveness from God because you're not a forgiving person. 
So that's why God wants us to live and make right decisions over and over and over again. Hey, guys, I got a couple things for you real quick. You need these. All right, so here we go. Let's take a look at scripture real quick, and we're going to see how this all, play, this all plays in here, all right? And um, all right, help me out with this first part. All mom ever wanted is for you to make good decisions. Every mom wants that for their kids, man, and, and every father wants that. Even if they don't make good decisions, they want you to. And uh, that, that's why we sometimes, man, harp on you guys so bad. It's because, you know, uh, the kids aren't here. That's why your parents harp on you, man, because they know what you're going to do. They, they were you before, right? All right. So we make decisions based on right and wrong and not what you think the consequence would be. But let's take a look at this scripture, all right? So the very beginning in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, 8, and 9, it says in the beginning, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Everybody say that with me. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. So if God in his word says something is wrong 100 years ago, does it change now 100 years later because society said it's okay? No, you've heard me say before, what one generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. And then the next generation tolerates this, and then the next generation accepts this. So what is society doing? It's getting farther and farther and farther away from God's principles. That's why we've always got to be going back to the truth. If God said it was wrong on the day he created this earth, it's wrong today. And so don't be deceived. God's not mocked, okay? And so what that means, where you find that on here, under the decisions, Every decision we make is either what? It's either wrong or it, it is right. It's either, and the only reason I put them wrong and right instead of everybody wants to say right and wrong is because that's how they're going to come up in scripture. They're either wrong or they're right. Now, you say, no, now, there's a lot of gray issues. How many of y'all know gray issues? You know what a gray issue is? If everything is black and white, you know what a gray issue is? A gray issue is where God said, hey, here's my right way of doing it. And we try to kind of manipulate it and kind of tweak it and twist it to fit our lifestyle. And we get a little bit of black in God's white. You know what I'm saying? Gray is black and white mixed. So how gray is it for you? Most everything in life is pretty black and white. What a gray issue usually is, usually is, is where we know God wants us to do something, but we're not ready to submit to it. Isn't that true? It's where we know that God wants, we know what God wants us to do, but oh, if I do that, the consequences are not going to work out. How can I make it where I do what God wants and I don't suffer any bad consequences? Is that not a gray issue, man? Is that no? And so man can justify anything, but God weighs your heart. That's what Proverbs tells us. Now, there are some gray issues, but not as many. We live in gray issues. How many of y'all say you live in gray issues? Help me out. Please be honest. I'm there. When I'm not walking with God, when I'm walking with them, it's so much simpler. When I start finding my life full of gray issues, I know that my life is not full of submission to him. Because, man, when I'm submitting to him, dude, it's just like I don't have as many gray issues. That's just how it's working. So be not deceived. God's not going to be mocked. That with every decision, there's going to be a wrong decision and a right decision. And God will tell you. Now, in the New Testament... All right. It's not a matter of having a little copy. I'm not asking you to carry like these stones around with the Ten Commandments, you know, like Moses. We have something way better. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, who lives inside of you? 
Yes, God does in the form of his Holy Spirit. And when Jesus was talking to his disciples saying, hey, I'm going away and I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be crucified. <gasps> oh, no, we gave up our fishing business. We gave up our life and you're ditching us. He said, no, no, no. The whole last half of the book of John, he was trying to tell him on the night before he was crucified. No, I'm going to send you another comforter, someone exactly like me. Only he's going to be able to live in you and you and you. He's going to be with you all the time. John 14, 26, he said he's going to teach you everything you need to know and bring to remembrance everything that he's already taught you. How many of y'all have forgotten, or how does that go? You, uh, you, you've forgotten more than you already know. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all have forgotten a whole bunch of junk already that God's taught you? There's a bunch of stuff. You're like, oh, what was that? What was that? He's going to bring to remembrance. So you're like taking this card, and you're like, okay, I want to use this card. And God says, use that card. Teach this person this card. Man, share this with this person. It could be this afternoon. You'd be like, oh, no, I'm going to mess it up. I forgot. I'm telling you right now, according to John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit, if he wants you to use it, he will help you remember every bit of this. And your presentation of it's going to be different than mine. And praise God, because you're different than me. Hey, Eden, is Amy different than you? Yeah, yeah Amy, is Eden different than you? Aren't you glad Amy's not like you? Amen, right? And vice versa. Everybody's different and God's going to use you, but the principles are the same right there. And so in this, man, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of everything he's taught you and he's going to teach you everything you need to know. And so in every situation you face in life, Terry, you're out there. You're, man, dude, he's got the coolest job. You know what they do, man? They make these giant scissors that they hang from cranes and cut cars and things in half. Share core, right? And they make car crushers, man. You know what I'm saying, dude? But it's like, if you need to know something, I mean, do you find like uh, Leviticus 13, 43 on how to deal with car crusher junkyard people in New Orleans? No. Where do you know? You've got the Holy Spirit of God living in you, and you need to know what to do in Louisiana, in the middle of a swamp, in the middle of a junkyard, with a car crusher coming down, and God's got something to do. Man, is God going to give him the answer? The same way he's going to give you one as you're working with autistic children. That's just what you do, right? Yeah. The same way. The same way he's going to give you wisdom in every relationship that you're in if you want it. But you've got to trust him and not bargain with him. Oh, okay. All right. I understand you want me to do this, but if I do this, God, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And you know what, God? I don't think you were aware of that. Anybody have those conversations with them? I don't think you were aware of it, God. So, so how about we like sort of take your way, add a little bit of my way. God's way is white, our way is black. All right, and I'm not saying anything racial here. I'm just saying I'll use an illustration of gray. You know, God's way is totally right. And, and what I'm trying to do now when I kind of help God out and tweak the plan is I'm adding a little bit of black. And what color do I come up with now? When you just want to surrender, the Holy Spirit will tell you exactly what to do. And you just do it. And it works. It's guaranteed. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you, whether it's an answer, whether it's a paycheck, whether it's some physical energy, whatever it is, he's there. So do not be deceived. God's not mocked. There is wrong and there is right with almost every with every decision that you are going to make. Now, look what he says. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You're like, I told my husband that. It's talking about men, right? <laughs> but no, man is talking about us in general, men and women, okay, all of us. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Hey, dude, 
If you plant, uh, Marianne, you've been around a while, right? All right, you've seen some things grow. You plant watermelon seeds, what's coming up? Watermelons, right? Well, what if you plant watermelon seeds and squash comes up? You didn't plant watermelon seeds, right? Would you vouch for that? You plant squash seeds, what's coming up? Squash! It's like whatever you plant, that's what you're going to grow. And so you plant the wrong thing, you're going to grow the wrong thing. You plant the right thing, you're going to grow the right thing. And so what he's saying is whatever decisions you make, there's going to be consequences that come with that. Now, let's take a look at the end of this. He said, for he who sows according to his what? All right, so the flesh. There's this battle going on among believers that Paul even talks about. But you come into this world with flesh. And it's not talking about this skin. What it's talking about is your nature, your selfish nature. You come into this world <laughs> loving one person. And who is that? And just because it's Mother's Day, don't say it's Mama. The only reason you love Mama is because she's got what you need. <laughs> and you, if all you do is stay in that same nature, all you're ever going to do is love people because they have what you need. That's what the flesh does. The flesh wants to meet its own need. And now at some point in time, you realize, dude, that's wrong. And God gives you the desire. You realize there's consequences for only love in the flesh. And it's a life in hell. And you get a desire from God to surrender your life to him and believe that what Christ did on the cross pays for your sins. And now you fall in love with him. And now whatever you want to do is now for his glory. It's because you love him. It's what you what, what what he wants you to do. So there's this battle between the spirit and the flesh. And when you're born again, you've got that battle going on. How many of you can relate to the Apostle Paul when he said, oh, I didn't do what I wanted to do. Anybody there? <laughs> and then he goes, ah, I did what I didn't want to do. Anybody in there? Well, you're in good company. Doesn't mean you don't suffer the consequences of it. Can't sow wild oats and pray for crop failure, man. It's coming. But what happens, man, is if you've got that battle going on inside, it's evidence that you are born again. It's evidence that the Holy Spirit is drawing you and your flesh is fighting over you. And so in this, when he starts off by saying he who sows to the flesh, let me ask you a question is if if you are doing what your flesh wants, is that a good decision or a wrong decision or a right decision? It is a wrong decision if you're a born-again believer. If you have surrendered your life to him, your life is his. He said, don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? You were bought with a price. And let me ask you a question. What price did he pay for you? What did he pay? His life. He gave life. Were you found on a Walmart clearance bin? No, dude, even a Target clearance bin. For those of you who've never been to Walmart, you know, were, were you in a clearance bin? Did he get you on a buddy dog discount? Because you got funny ears like me. I don't know. No. He paid top dollar for each one of us. And so we are his. He owns us. And so whenever we sow according to the flesh, whenever we do what we want as opposed to what he wants. But here's where the gray area comes is when we can twist it and make what he wants what we want. You know, when we start like trying to take what he wants and, and water it down enough to make it like, well, oh yes, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. I'm robbing the bank and I'm gonna give 10% to the church. No, no, it doesn't work that way. He says, if you sow according to the flesh, now what kind of decision is that on the card now? A wrong decision. 
he says you will reap corruption. Okay? Now, corruption means rust. You hunt with guns or just bow, man? What's your favorite gun, man? Uh, oh, your hands, dude. <laughs> What's your favorite gun, man? I don't know. I like bow hunting. You like bow hunting, but you don't have a gun, man? Uh, oh, you like your AR? You have an AR? Yeah, I got In 223 platform and all that? I mean, 223? That's a 30 gun. Oh, my. Good. Oh, so that's a sweet gun. That's thousand bucks or so, right? You know, keep that in mind, but, uh, Destiny, but uh, no, we can't afford that wedding dress. Sell your AR! See how much he loves you. I'll, I'll meddle it now, ain't I? Oh, no, but that AR! Okay, well, that doesn't work because it's all plastic, right? But, but you take your bow, you take something that you love. To, oh, Steve, what do you have, man? You got, like, a saxophone, right? And a beautiful saxophone, right? What about your guitar? You have some, what's the guitar you have? Like, signed by somebody, or... Yeah, you got a couple of them. Now tell me one of the bands. What was your favorite one out of all that? The Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones. He's got a guitar, beautiful electric guitar signed by the Rolling Stones. All right, so if you took that and you threw it out in the rain, would it instantly rust? Not instantly, no. You could kind of hurry up and dry it off. Same thing with your AR. AR is not a good example because they made them be thrown in the rain, right? You know, your bow, man. It, you know, you, you, your guitar, man. You throw it in the rain instantly. It doesn't rust. There's hope. There's time to change and dry it off and get all that water off of it, right? But rust happens. That's what that word corruption means in the Greek. When he talks about when you sow to the flesh, you reap. What's the word? Corruption. That word corruption is the word we get corrosion from. We get rust from. It's rust. And so it doesn't happen immediately. In fact, immediately when you leave that guitar out in the rain, say you're moving, man, and there it is, and you've got all this other stuff, and it's in the rain. It's like it's a good thing that you don't have to, like, go out in the rain and get it. But it's a bad thing when later on down the line it's now rusty. Kind of like tools, anything else in that. So what he's saying is he's saying that when... You sow to the flesh and do what you want to do, it's going to end up being corruption. And that word, do things corrode immediately? We dive, right? You ever have corroded diving equipment? It did it corrode the first day you got it? The first day you decide, you know what? We just got home from a nice dive, and I don't want to wash my stuff. We already say that because you get your kids to wash it for you, right? It's like, that's awesome. But, <laughs> but what if your kids are like, we don't want to wash it, you know? And it just, or they tell you they washed it and threw it in there. Next time you get it, you're like, oh, you know? That $1,000 regulator and all that other stuff, you're like, oh. it didn't happen immediately. It happens over time. And so what he's telling us is that when we make the wrong decision, initially the short-term consequence is usually good. But the, the long-term consequence is, man. And we keep making the wrong decisions because we want good right now, right? Have you ever done that? You keep doing things that are good for you now, good for you now, good for you now, but they're the wrong decision. And how many of you have ever had it all catch up with you? You've had the finances, you've had the debt, you've had the drugs, you've had, you've had the partying, you've had the lifestyle, you've had the health issues, you've had it all catch up with you. And when it all catches up, what do you decide you want to do then? Turn over a new leaf. Why? Because all those long-term bad consequences they outweigh any of those initial good consequences that you had that were short-term. They outweigh them, man. Long-term consequences are going to, they hurt more or they, they have a greater effect and they're going to last a lot longer than the short-term ones. So look what he says again. The D stands for? 
In case you're sleeping. And with every decision, there is a? And there is a? Okay, with every right or wrong or wrong or right decision, there is a? Short-term consequence and a? And so he says, if you so according to the flesh, which is a wrong decision, he says that the short-term consequence is going to be? But the long-term consequence is corruption, which is bad. It's going to happen. But, man, there's so many good buts in the Bible. And this is another one right here. But I'm so glad that God gives us the flip side always. He who sows to the Spirit. Now, when you sow the Spirit, who are you, who are you following now? You're doing what God wants. Is it what you want? Hopefully, that's where we want to get. We want, that's what prayer is. Prayer is not twisting God and trying to get God to agree with us. Prayer is, 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 is fine-tuning. It's, it's getting tuned to God's will so that what I want is what he wants. One of my favorite verses in Scripture is Psalm 37.4. How many of y'all know that verse? So well that you put a tattoo on your body with it. That's you, Ashley. She's got it there. Psalm 37.4. Listen to this verse. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that doesn't mean obey God and you get everything you want. He's the giant genie. I want a million bucks. Yeah. Oh, you've been real good, Ashley. Here. That's not what that means at all. Delight yourself in the Lord. That word delight in the Hebrew means to be flexible like this card. And God, here's God. And God is always trying to put pressure on you. How many of y'all know God puts pressure on you? Every bit of pressure that comes in your life is by God's design. And God is putting pressure on you so that you will conform to him. Look what happens if I'm flexible and this is God and this card is me. Look what happens. All of a sudden I take on the shape of God. That's what it means to delight in the Lord. But if you are rigid like this remote, we can buy another one, right, JJ? No, I'm just messing with you. If we are rigid like this remote, anybody ever been rigid like the remote? And God puts pressure, and does God say, oh, they're going to break. I'm not going to put any more pressure on them. How many of you ever had God break you? Yes, and praise God that he did that so that we would become flexible. But so if we stay rigid and don't, allow God to conform us to the image of Christ, we break. And then what happens? Then we decide to become flexible again, right? And we end up being this as a believer. So he says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, you realize that everything is in your life by his design and he is trying to conform you to his will to make you more beautiful, to look like Christ, which is the picture of driftwood. The, that's where we got the name. The more the wind and the water and the waves try to destroy a piece of wood, the more beautiful it becomes. And Romans 8.28 says, we know that all things work together for, to, uh, for the, help me out, all things work together for good, yes, to those who are called, uh, who love God and are called according to his purpose. And the purpose is the next verse that tells us is to look like Christ. That's the good. It doesn't mean everything that comes in your life is good, but it's all there for the purpose of making you look more like Christ. It's that pressure that's trying to conform you to his image so you stay flexible. And so it's, uh, Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. Be flexible to whatever he's got going on in your life. See it from his perspective. And he says, then he will give you the desires of your heart. And what that means is he'll give you what you desire or he'll change those desires. Hey, Tom, what do you got in that cup right there, man? Oh, tea. Is it good? 
you had a desire for some tea this morning, right? And in fact, you may have been so lusting after that tea that, dude, when you got that tea, man, you were just like, oh, I can't wait for it to be ready and be perfect temperature and take a sip. Well, all you wanted was that tea. But what if when you went to put that lid on it at your house, all of a sudden you see a little cockroach floating on the, doing the backstroke? Would, would you still have a desire for that tea? No, your desire gets instantly changed, doesn't it? Yeah. And that's how God does things. That's how he does it. He either fulfills what we want or he changes our desire. It's a no-lose situation. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desire of your heart. He'll either give you a new desire or he'll fulfill the one that you've got. But it all comes back to you being flexible. Instead of manipulating and changing and trying to orchestrate your own life, be a surfer. Don't make waves. Ride them. He gives you a little wave ride. It gives you a big wave ride. It gives you chop paddle out in it. Gives you glass. Enjoy it. Man, take whatever he's given you and realize that's the wave he wants you to ride today and dig it. How many of y'all know the movie where, where the line was, life's a garden, dig it? Rich, raise your hand if you know that movie. Oh, no, that's Joe Dirt, man. But anyways, <laughs> life, life's a garden, dig it. That's another version of it. Some of y'all just didn't want to admit you watched that movie. But <laughs> there, it, it's like Forrest Gump, only trailer tash, trailer tash version of Forrest Gump. Right? But <laughs> life's a garden, man, dig it. Seriously, be flexible to whatever God has brought and put into your life. And he'll change your desires or fulfill the ones that you've got. But he who sows to the spirit, that's the right decision. That's doing what God wants you to do. Look what you will reap. You sow according to the spirit, you reap what? Uh, uh, thank you. All you now, come on. You'll reap what? And that lasts for how long? Ever, starting now. But it's not a quantity of life. It's a quality of life. That starts happening the moment you surrender your life to Christ. And in heaven, we'll experience it fully. The only way you're going to experience it more full here is as you continue to surrender. But in the long run, what happens is, why is it that we don't do the right thing? Because so often, doing the right thing isn't what our flesh wants. It's not what we want. And, but, and, but really, the short-term consequence is going to be what? Bad. It's going to be bad. If I don't cheat on that test, I'm not going to pass. If I don't pass, I don't get that. I don't get, I'm just, I'm throwing everything. Think about it in your realm of life. I've heard it all as a pastor. Why didn't you do the right thing? Because, why didn't you do it? Why did you do the wrong thing? Because I thought, well, my psychic friend, do you really know the consequences in life? If you really know what's going to happen, dude, go Buy a lottery ticket. Oh, we're Christians. We don't buy lottery tickets. Buy a lottery ticket and win a million and donate it to the church. Well, if you don't, then do something that's not gambling like the stock market, all right? And, and, and donate that if you really know what's going to happen in the future. But the fact is, is we really don't know what's going to happen in the future. So in this situation here, he says again, with every decision, there's a wrong decision and a right decision. And uh, there's a short-term consequence, a long-term consequence. Every time we make the right the wrong decision, it's generally because that short-term consequence is good. Long-term is bad. We make the right decision. Mm, a lot of times it's bad right now, but I guarantee you, according to this verse, he says you will reap a, quantity, a quality of life that's unmatched. Matthew 6.33, he says, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let him be your king. And his righteousness, doing the right thing. And he says, everything you need will be added to you. 
and it'll protect you from all the junk you don't need. How many of y'all got some junk you don't need? And you just moved. Dude, tell me when, it's, it's, you guys are moving, right? How many of y'all, you don't even have to move. You just walk in your house. You got junk you don't need, man. But it goes beyond physical junk, man. We got a lot of junk in here we don't need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything we need will be added unto us, and it will protect you from all the junk you don't need. You will reap a quality and a quantity of life that's unsurpassed by anything else. Think about salvation. Think about salvation. You know, the wrong decision is to reject Christ because I would have to let him be my boss. And when you're unsaved, you think making him your boss is the worst thing you could do because now you can't be the boss. So you stay and be the boss. How many of y'all did that work out for being your own boss? <laughs> the old boss. You wouldn't have got saved if that worked out for you. Finally, you realize being my own boss ain't all it's cracked up to be. And I've surrendered my life to him. But if you, all, if you make the wrong decision and never surrender to him, yeah, you get to be your boss here on earth. But what happens the minute you die? Dude, you've got the worst eternity possible. But what happens when you decide to let him take over your life? Well, first of all, you find out you were wrong about the whole boss thing. And you realize now that the best thing that could ever happen in your life is let him be the boss. And you know what? You are going to be confronted with a bunch of stuff in life. And especially trying to let him be the king and stand up and, and, and do, do what he wants you to do. But even if we have the worst time on this earth, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, he said, the sufferings of this life are nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in heaven one day. So heaven is going to be so awesome we won't even remember the worst times about this life. The worst times. All right, so check out this last part. You thought it was over. we got one more little piece of a verse here real quick. And look what he says. He said, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we lose heart. This is where you're probably going to encounter some folks. Because check this out again. Help me out just so I know y'all are awake right here. And I don't have to pick on anybody in particular because I know, Al, you would just do it. The D stands for decisions. With every decision, we've got a... Wrong decision and a, and with every right and wrong decision, we have a short-term consequence and a, when we make the wrong decision, the short-term consequence is, and the long-term consequence catching up is, but when we make the right decision, sometimes we don't because the short-term consequence is, but the long-term is always guaranteed on the authority of God to be what? To be good. So here it is. I'm making wrong decisions because it's good right now, but it all catches up with me. Now my life is categorized by the letter B, which means bad. how many of you ever been in a position where life is bad and it can't get any badder? It's as bad as it's going to be. Isn't that where we are sometimes when we come to Christ? It's bad. It's bad. It can't get any better. And I know badder is not really a word, all you teachers, all right? It's, but it can't get any badder than it's bad right now. It's horrible. And so guess what? I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Anybody here ever turn over a new leaf? Okay. So guess what happens? All right. I'm living in bad long-term consequences, which are horrible. And I want to escape them, but the minute you turn over a new leaf, do all these bad long-term consequences go away? Does the debt fairy just tear up your mortgage and tear up your loans? <laughs> and, and all your enemies now, oh, we love you because you love Jesus. Does everything just turn out in an old-school word? How many of y'all know the word hunky-dory? <laughs> Does everything all of a sudden just become magical and everybody's flying around with butterflies and life is good? No. You can't sow wild oats and pray for crop failure. You're still going to have to live through those long-term bad consequences for a little while. 
but they're there. But now look what happened when you start making the right decision. What do you now immediately start encountering? Bad short-term consequences. You're living in bad long-term consequences, but now you're encountering bad short-term consequences. Right now, life is even more horrible. <laughs> oh, you're praying for the rapture. You're like, Jesus, please come back. You're praying that it will, you know, the good news, I'm going to heaven when I die. And, and, and honestly, that is. We're not supposed to love this world. And, and what you have at this time when you're long-term and short-term consequence, when you're living in bad long-term and now you're inheriting new, earning new bad short-term consequences, at that time, your hope is everything that is written in the word of God. Your hope is now in faith to watch God do things so supernatural that only he could get blamed for it. And those things aren't ripping up the dead, getting rid of the consequences. Sometimes they are, and in my life, I could testify they had been. But more important than anything was him giving me the ability to have faith and to be able to trust him that it's all going to work out and I'm not responsible. Don't, how many of you, man, isn't that faith when, when you got all this stuff caving in on you and you don't know the solution, you don't know the answer, it's just piling up, but you know him. And you're trusting him with everything and you say, dude, I don't know how it's going to work, but I know it's going to. Anybody ever been there? Anybody there now? Amen. And you know what? As much as we complain about that phase of life, what happens when everything's cool again? What do you miss? What do you miss, Natalie? That he forced you to be into because all of a sudden now, oh, now I've got this and this. And all of a sudden he starts taking a back seat. When in reality, during those tough times, he had the front seat. Just because things are good don't mean you got to give him the back seat. You just got to keep priorities in line. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you. And you know what? It's during these times you're going to sink or swim. You're either going to let your faith grow like a mangrove seed in the mud or you're going to give up. And this is where I see a lot of brand new born again believers. This is where I see old believers give up is when they say, man, I'm just going to go back to doing it my way. That ain't no way to do it, is it, brother? Live through this because is it going to last forever? No, dude. When you go to heaven, is this going to be the case? And in reality, we're not that far away from heaven, are we? We're one, but I heard somebody say one time in one of our small groups, we were talking about dying. And somebody said, we're all dying just at different speeds, <laughs> you know, and it just changed my life, Tom. Thank you for saying that. It just changed my life thinking that way. We're all moving that way. We're not evolving into more healthy, better people that are going to live forever, are we? No. I mean, you all know your body's disintegrating. It's going away. Yeah, but in heaven, I got a brand new body. I got a, a, a home in paradise. And I'm looking so forward to that, but I'm digging this. But while I'm here, I want to represent him. So look at this. Don't grow weary. Don't get tired of doing good, because especially when you turn over a new leaf, that's when life is not that good. But you hang in there. It's not good as far as consequences, but it's good in your faith. It's good where you realize, oh, my goodness, God, if you don't do it, it ain't getting done. And you are so tight to him that you have, may have horrible consequences on the outside, but you've got a peace like you can't believe on the inside. He said, 
Don't grow weary in doing good for in due season. Who gets to decide when that season of harvest is? It's God, not you, not me. Well, we sure would like to. He said, but in his due season, we will reap if we don't lose heart. You will get down to this again back here. But unfortunately, you'll get back up here again. And you'll go back here again. And you'll go here. So who knows this? All right. Let's go over this, these letters real quick again. Every, in life we have... With every decision, there's a and and there's a and when we make the wrong decision, oh, with every decision, long uh, right and wrong, there is a and there is a when we make the wrong decision, the short-term consequence is usually that's why we do it. But it ends up being when we make the right decision, we kind of don't do that a lot of times because the short term is. But we know, according to God's promises, it's going to end up being. So who knows this man? Who could teach it right now? Who could teach around? And go. You go. Okay. Yeah, you do. We all make decisions, right? <laughs> and we can, and with every decision, you have a wrong or a right. And then there are consequences. You have short-term consequences, or you may have long-term consequences. Well, when we make the wrong decision, the short-term consequences usually is very good. But the long-term consequences... Yeah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I like the dramatic effects. Y'all take note by the time I get over here. Go ahead. Five times the short term effect is bad. All right. All right, man. Just because I saw her hand out, Laura, man, just, just bust it off right now, man. Go ahead, Laura. I saw you there. Just bust it out right now. You don't even need the note, do you? You got it. Go. You got it? Oh, yeah, go. All right. <laughs> when you make um, decisions, you can make a wrong decision or a right decision, and a short-term decision, and a long-term decision. And if you make the wrong decision, sometimes it's good in the beginning, but then it'll turn out really bad. But if you make the right decision, and that's according to God's promise. Yeah. Now, most people would think I'm going to go in the middle, but I might go over now. Well, in the middle, who, who's got it here, man? Who wants to do it here? All right, go ahead, Tom. So, every decision has short term consequences and long term consequences. Of those short term consequences, when you make the right decision, you'll have bad results, maybe short term, but they'll end up being good long-term results. If you make the wrong decision, oftentimes we do it for the good short-term results, but they'll end up being bad long-term Amen. All right, good. All right, that's good, man. Now, who do I have over here? By the way, I, I see, you know, I know body like, because I, if I see somebody going like this, dude, you are just drawing attention to yourself, okay? But that doesn't mean I'm going to call on you. You have the right to refuse. Seriously, who wants to do it, man? Who can do it? Who can? Fernanda! Yeah, let's go ahead and stand up, Fernanda, and just preach it, girl. Come on. All right. So in life, we, we all have to make decisions constantly every day. There's wrong decisions and right decisions. And with every decision, there's a short-term consequence and a long-term consequence. When we make the wrong decision, the short-term consequence is usually good, but in the long run, it turns out to be bad. When we make the right decision, the short-term consequence might not be always be, uh, it's usually bad, but in the long term, it turns out to be good, according to God's will. Right on, all right.
And don't grow weary in doing the right thing because you're not going to live there forever. Hey, I just got to say one more time on this. The, what is the most important decision you're ever going to make? For eternity. And if right now you're here and you're saying, I'm just, man, God, it's, there's something giving me desire to surrender my life to God, but I'm just scared. I don't know what's going to be, what's going to entail. I don't know what it's all going to involve. I don't have all the answers. Well, I have good news. Neither do we. <laughs> we don't know what next is going to be next, other than we know that we have a God that knows everything, a God that can do everything, and a God that's everywhere. And if he's giving that desire, he's showing his love for you, and he's asking you to surrender to him. And if you knew it all, it wouldn't take faith. But it's only by faith that we can please him. And so if you're here today and you're just toying with the idea, you're kind of there, I want you to know the most important decision you can make is based on your eternity. And if you make the wrong decision and you walk out, you know what? There's a chance that that desire won't be there anymore. There's a chance it might be. You don't know when it's going to leave. Jesus told Nicodemus it's like the wind. You don't know when it's coming, don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. And so if you've got that desire, the wrong decisions to walk out without it, and you may walk out and say, whoo, man, I made it out of church. He almost had me. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. And if you walk out of here, you might think, man, all right, I escaped it. But, and it might be good right now, but it ain't going to be good in eternity. And if you've got that desire, God's giving you the desire and ability to surrender yourself to him. And although right now it may seem like it's kind of funky and that's going to be a bad thing, how many of you would say surrendering your life to Christ was the best thing you ever did? Amen. And it ended up being good short term and long term. And when I'm walking with him, there's no gray areas. It's all good because I'm seeing it from his perspective. So, man, I'm just encouraging you to make that all important decision in your life if he's given you the desire. Let's pray. Father. I know that you gave me this today and not just because it's Mother's Day and we know every mother wants their kids to make good decisions. But Father, you allow me to teach this in a way that I think other people are going to be able to teach it. And I can't wait to see the fruit that comes out of this. Just Father, just help our eyes be open and see people as souls also. And, and help us, Father, to be able to communicate, not let the devil scare us off, but realize you're going to teach us everything we know and bring to remembrance everything we've heard. And we'll be able to describe this in a way that will make sense because it'll be your Holy Spirit pouring it out on them. Father, help us to use this. And we know that you're going to give us encounters, but this is a way we can help people see life from your perspective. Father, if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Christ, I pray today would be that day. And they would make the most important decision of their life and surrender and know that they've got a home in heaven forever. But Father, I know a lot of us have decisions to make. If our decisions are gray, I pray you would make them black and white. And if the black and white decision is scary and we're afraid of what's going to happen with the consequences of it, um, and it's all unknown, Father, I pray that you would just make our decisions white. You would let us know exactly what it is you want us to do and know that you've given us the grace to do it. We just have to surrender our flesh, crucify our flesh, and do what you've asked us to do. And we know the benefits, immeasurable benefits come from that. Give us the guts to accept your grace to do your will. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.